A reading from the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, you will, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. I give people in return for nation and exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, both of you. All right, so this sermon is for the kids, and then Pastor Beth will preach one, and kids, you will have an activity to do with it. So I want to tell you about a friend I have. His name is Calvin. And one time Calvin told me that when he was a kid, his very favorite thing to do was to hide. He loved hiding in his house and finding all the best places, um, all the little nooks and crannies. But his favorite favorite place to hide was he would take the basket where his dirty clothes would go and he would climb in that basket and then he would pile all of the dirty clothes onto himself and usually his parents would be able to find him but one day calvin climbed into the laundry hamper and he put all the dirty clothes on top of him and then he used his body and scooted the laundry basket across the floor until it was under a shelf in the closet and out of view and then calvin waited and soon enough his mom started to wonder where he was and so she called his name she said calvin and Calvin stayed hiding. She said, Calvin! And Calvin stayed hiding. And then his mom started to sound a little confused. Like, Calvin? Calvin? And she went around the house, and he could see her feet moving through the room, but she didn't guess he was in the laundry hamper because it was tucked under a shelf. And then she started to sound angry. Calvin! Calvin! And Calvin stayed hiding. He didn't come out. And then his mom started to sound scared. Calvin? Calvin?
Do you think Calvin's mom would stop looking for him? Do you think Calvin's mom would stop calling his name? I don't think so either. And you know what? God is like that mom. God calls us by name. We just heard that read in in the Bible. The Bible tells us that God calls our name, and it's always happening in everything we do. God is there calling our name. When you learn and grow and change as you get older, God calls your name. When you feel a sense of belonging and connection, like you're just where you're supposed to be, God is calling your name. When your heart is moved because you want to help someone or you see the world and you want to make it a better place, that's God calling your name. When you screw up and you feel embarrassed, God is calling your name even there too. And why is that? It's because God wants to be with you in every part of your life. See, it's not just your name that God knows. God knows all of you. God knows the things that make you, you. The things inside of you that make you who you are. And God also knows the people and places outside of you that, belong, that you belong to and that you're connected to. God knows who you are, but God also knows whose you are. God cares about that. When God calls you by name, God isn't just using a label. It's God caring for every part of you inside and out. Okay, so Pastor Beth is going to preach a sermon. And if you want to listen to her, that's fine. But if you want to draw, I invite you to get crayons or markers or pens or whatever it is, colored pencils maybe, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to write your name in big bubble letters. An adult can help you. If you're going to have trouble doing that, that's totally fine. And inside of the letters, I want you to draw things that make you you. Things that you love. Things that uh, you're passionate about things that you spend your time doing. And then on the outside of your name, I want you to draw things that you belong to, people or places that help you remember who you are. I'm going to show you mine. I'm not done yet. My name is Joel, and so I did big bubble letters, and inside the J, I put a tomato plant because I love gardening. And inside the O, I drew a bunch of bikes pedaling around in a circle because I like riding my bike. And then outside, I did some symbols of uh, communities that I belong to, of people and places that help me remember who I am. Here's the logo for Mount Olivet. I sure like this place, and it helps me uh, remember who I am and that I am loved.
And then I put wedding rings because I'm married. And my husband reminds me who I am. And he, he helps me uh, feel belonging in the world. I can't wait to see your drawings. And if you want, you can ask the adults in your home to take a picture of you holding your drawing, and you can send it to worshiptech at mopley.org. Have your, your adults email that in, and it would be really, really great if we could get those by communion. So take time to illustrate during Pastor Beth's sermon, and during the offering, and during the peace, but then when it's communion, take a picture of you guys worshiping, and we'll show them at the end. And that way you can see yourself on the screen, but also all of your church friends who have drawn as well. All right, let's listen to Pastor Beth. Hey, Mom Olivet. Um, I am not at church, as you can see. I'm at home. I found out this week that there is a slight possibility that I may have passed, uh, to COVID-19. And so um, I had a test, but I don't have my results back. And we made a commitment as a worship team that we would not come into the building unless um, we had a negative test if we were concerned that there's a possibility uh, that we may be carrying the virus. So um, I've never preached on my porch before. So this is a first time for me, a first time for us at Mount Olivet. I wanna give a special shout out to TJ and Jack and Angela, who made this possible. Um, in a moment's notice, they were able to innovate so I could zoom into you and be able to preach today. And for that, I am so grateful. So um, God's grace and peace comes to you. Um, and uh, we're grateful for all the ways that we can uh, be together in this way. So I have vivid memories of dental care month when I was in elementary school. The dental hygienist would come to school dressed in fresh scrubs and bring along the big chomper-sized mouth displaying a full set of shiny teeth along with a toothbrush big enough even for Shrek to use. My class would sit in a circle and watch this extremely patient person show us how to thoroughly brush our teeth. It was a circular motion by the gums and then showing us how to brush even the hardest to reach places. And then we would each receive a little bag with a toothbrush and dental floss and a travel-sized toothpaste and then these little red tablets. We were told to brush our teeth that night and then let one of these red tablets dissolve in our mouth. The red color would land most vividly where we had plaque so we could all see firsthand the places where we weren't brushing enough. Now, 
There was one year, though, that somehow those little red tablets were opened before the end of the school day. Oh, my gosh. It must have been a nightmare for my teacher, squirming little kids, all with red-stained mouths. I don't even want to think about the red dye that was being consumed in that moment. We were full of giggles and screams of glee as we opened our mouths displaying our red-stained tongues and teeth that looked ablaze. And of course, someone had to spit so we could all watch how that red, gooey saliva bubbles landed on our school desks. Now imagine for a moment those red tablets are love. We all have a love story. Think back for a moment to the first time that you said, I love you. The time when you realized that you were forever changed by a person, that you really loved that person. It's a careful moment because once you say, I love you, you can't go back. The person who hears your words no longer will wonder if they are special to you because they are. And you will then, because of this love, act in ways you normally wouldn't act. Now, of course, human relationships can change and you can say, I don't love you anymore. But still, there is no denying that that love was there. So much so that you decided to speak those three words. You see, when I love you is uttered, it's like those red tablets dissolving in your mouth. And that love goes to all the places, even the placky spots. And one cannot miss what those words of love do. They cover and they soak in. The reading we hear from Isaiah today is the only place in the entire Bible that says, I love you. There are other places where God refers to love and his commitment to his people. There are many places in the Gospels where Jesus speaks of God's love. But these verses are different because it's God speaking directly to people through the voice of the prophet Isaiah. The words are direct. There's nothing to filter through. God says, you are precious in my sight. I, you are honored and I love you. It's poetry, a lullaby, a warm blanket covering our shivering spirits. And these words come to people who are bewildered and disoriented. They have been forced from their homeland and taken to live in a foreign city with no discernible time of return. Every place where they have known God to be is gone. The temple, their church, where God promised to always be, is now destroyed. 
There's streets and neighborhoods where they have lived and moved, where their descendants lived and moved is no longer beneath their feet. Everything feels forsaken and they are certain God has left them to struggle awkwardly away from every place and practice where they have known God to be. They believe it's the end of faith, the end of life. We seem to have something in common with these people of the Babylonian exile because we're displaced this year, away from the regularity of faith, struggling to find God in different places and different practices. What I'm curious about today is what do you miss most about church on Sunday morning? I invite you to comment now in Facebook Live, and I'm going to read those comments, but I'm going to tell you what I miss so much about Sunday mornings. I miss the hustle before worship when we meet as worship staff to get ready to be able to start the worship service. I miss seeing you all as you come up front and open your hands as Pastor Joel and I tear a chunk of great harvest bread and say the body of Christ given for you. I miss the innocent, unfiltered prayers of kids. I really kind of miss those valley pastry donut holes, or actually they're donut boulders. They're so big, so covered in frosting that the napkin underneath it's just covered in wet frosting. You see, these are tangible losses. Without our normal rhythms of life, it seems like more we can make it one more week when we feel like giving up on patience and perseverance that God God speaks these words, gushing of tenderness and divine love. But now, the Lord, he who created you, he who, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. In the arc of Mount Olivet's history, this will be a year that will be remembered the reality is with the case numbers climbing, the cold and flu season upon us, many schools now shifting from hybrid to distant learning models. The reality is that we will not gather in person for our beloved seasons of Advent and Christmas. Yet God speaks to us today, Mount Olivet, the river of disappointment will not overwhelm you. The fire of despair will not consume you. God's story continues to be written in an exile thousands of years ago, and even through this pandemic we're experiencing right now. Even though the ways of worship and our conduits of faith are different and sometimes awkward, God's love is still here. God puts God's self out there and says, I love you, and I love the world, and the world will never be the same. You see, that divine love covers every inch of this creation, 
and claims every person and says, you are loved and valued for who you are and what you offer. This love even seeps through cyberspace today where you are connecting us to each other with everything that feels overwhelming right now with a country that is struggling for equity and hope. And this love pours out to the whole world because we are each formed and created, named, and loved. God insists on finding us where we are and using everything we do to reveal God's love to the world. So what? How does this divine I love you really make a difference? Well, I think God speaks these specific words to specific people to remind them that God is all in. God is not giving up on the world, even when the world feels like giving up. Those people in exile through years of awkward days and sleepless nights built homes, planted gardens, and made a life in Babylon. They continued to worship God in houses rather than churches. They continued with rituals, albeit in different conditions, and God was made known even in these new places. Eventually, the people were brought back to their homeland. And all the ways that they dared to, dared to claim their faith became a part of God's continued story. We are held in this promise, Mount Olivet. God has not given up on the world. And God promises to use all these innovative ways, sometimes cumbersome, ways of faith even still. And so we are called to continue, even though we don't know how long this will take, to bear this love in all the places we go and to people who need to hear that their lives matter that they are valued. And this is not an easy call. There are so many people who seem unlovable right now and many people who are struggling to see their own value. And so I wonder if everything we are about at Mount Olivet can be seen as an expression of this divine love. We continue to innovate worship because proclaiming God's divine love specifically as we read scripture and as we pray and tangibly in Holy Communion, even while we are apart, is an act of love. We connect kids via Zoom, even though it's exhausting, and adults as well, because we know forming faith is an act of love. We prepare and we cook, we serve a meal to all people without expression, exception, each week because feeding people is an expression of love. And we dare to begin and commit to sit and learn uncomfortably with our privilege as a predominantly white church to see how this divine love is calling us to change 
and to speak up and act on racial equity. What God says through this divine, I love you, is that who you are, who we are, and what we do makes a difference. And God will gather everything we offer and use them as the future unholds. You know, in a way, the bread and the wine and the crackers and the juice of Holy Communion are like those little red tablets. Once you eat and drink them, you are changed, saturated in God's mercy, covered in divine love. You are valued, you are loved. What you do and who we are and what we do will be used so that the world can continue to hear this divine, I love you. Amen.